0: A recent spike of COVID cases in China, some solid trade growth in December, and some personnel changes are all up on the docket this week. To get the latest on this, we'll be on the line with our new chief representative in Shanghai, Melinda Xu from the U.S.-China Business Council in Washington, D.C. I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Minute. Melinda Shu is our chief representative in Shanghai. Hi, Melinda. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Ian. Great to be here.
0: So for those in China right now, how's the pandemic situation there at the moment? It seems like there have been some outbreaks in in northern China lately.
1: So overall, China has a good control of the pandemic. However, with the surge in COVID-19 outbreaks across the country, such success still remains fragile. You may have noticed China has locked down the city of Shijiazhuang, the capital of Hebei province, which surrounds Beijing and Tianjin with the country's worst COVID outbreak in month. The Hebei outbreak in particular was primarily the result of blind spots in the province's rural areas. Additionally, overseas cases have also caused local outbreaks despite following quarantine procedures as some travelers have remained infections even after 14 days of quarantine. Right now, across China, there are over 70 regions identified as middle and high risk, including areas in Beijing, Hebei, Heilongjiang, Jilin, Dalian, etc.
0: So I mean, compared to other countries at the moment, at least, the outbreak seems to be pretty small scale. So does it seem controllable for the moment?
1: Well, I believe it is controllable, however, the timing of the latest outbreak is particularly concerning because it comes just before the major travel season ahead of Chinese New Year. The National Health Commission and many local governments have already urged people not to travel during the upcoming holidays unless absolutely necessary. Multiple cities are also offering financial incentives to workers who don't travel home. And some places request those from high-risk areas to have 14 days centralized quarantine. For example, Shanghai also requires two rounds of COVID tests. And even for those who travel from low-risk regions, many localities also request COVID tests. Accordingly, we have seen member companies have restricted or canceled business traveling as well as their annual conferences.
0: So besides restrictions on domestic travel, are there any other potential impacts for companies that are operating in China?
1: You bet. You know, Chinese government have intensified testing and disinfection of cold chain imports. We've seen 124 coaching chain food manufacturers have been suspended because employees have been infected with COVID-19. One member company recently shared that Shanghai market regu- regulators um, have issued guidance that coaching chain food products from U.S. and Russia are listed as high risk and will need to go through designated inspection, which of course would impact product supplies. And another area that is um, expats' repatriation would become almost impossible, at least before the Chinese New Year. As you know, um, expats without work permit need to apply for a humiliation letter, which. Um, is issued by China Foreign Affairs Office or Commerce Department at the localities where companies registered. But due to the recent outbreak, issuing letters has become extremely difficult, even for those senior company executives or critical engineers. And additionally, Chinese embassy in the states also released a guidance that they would tighten its relaxed entry regulations due to the pressure of COVID outbreaks. Again, we are closely monitoring the situation. I would expect Chinese government would remain alert for quite some time, at least until the population are widely vaccinated.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, In that case, let's switch to another topic. So China recently released its trade data for December. So what does that look like?
1: Well, China's trade surplus hit its highest ever in December, a record $78 billion. For the full year of 2020, China's goods exports grew 3.6%, while imports fell 1.1%. The annual trade surplus reached $535 billion, the second highest on record since 1950, according to the data by Chinese customs.
0: And so what's driving that really strong export performance then in the past year?
1: So obviously, that manufacturing capacity in China has largely recovered, but bounced back much more um, slowly in other major economies, exacerbating the trade imbalance. Secondly, you know the COVID outbreaks and lockdowns in other parts of the world continue to boost demand for Chinese medical and work-from-home products. Nearly 60% of China's exports are mechanical and electronic products, such as laptops and other household appliances to meet consumers' needs as they stayed at home. Demand for masks and other PPEs was another key driver of China's record export performance um, in 2020. You know, as Chinese customs noted, the country basically provides almost 40 masks per person for the world outside of China. And I think another reason behind the number is, you know, Chinese manufacturers and retailers um, are now making better use of e-commerce platforms and selling direct to consumers. Um, This has helped to expand market share.
0: All right. Then what do you expect in coming months then? Do you think these exports are going to keep pace or do you think it'll run into some logistical issues?
1: Well, I think demand for Chinese goods may remain strong in the um, next few months. However, as other countries um, catch up on production recovery, China's global trade is likely to slow down a bit. Additionally, you know um, the current shipping limits will lim- uh, would impact um, China's logistical capacity to fulfill remaining demand. Companies on the ground have increasingly exp- expressed concern over shortage of containers as well as the high cost. You know, the container availability in Shanghai was close to zero, um, you know, in December and um, trade imbalance, you know, shortage of containers as well as the intensified inspection of cold chain imports, as we mentioned, could further affect supply chains and disrupt the normal uh, flow of goods. And I think companies should have contingency plans to mitigate risks and prevent disruption of supply. Um, I think another thing that is noticeable is for the first time, ACN replaced the EU to become China's largest trading partner in 2020. According to MOFCOM, China's approval and preparations for the RCEP agreement will be completed within six months, which point to even greater regional trade in the future.
0: And I guess the part of this that is near and dear to our hearts, of course, is U.S.-China trade. So where does that stand at the moment?
1: Well, U.S.-China trade, you know, comes to the third following ASEAN and EU, um, Chinese customs data showed the surplus with U.S. climbed 7.1 percent to about 317 billion U.S. dollars in 2020, the second largest gap on record, which is a fresh sign that the trade war was unsuccessful in reducing the trade imbalance between the countries. And actually, You know, in our recent study together with um, Oxford Economics, it shows that even a moderate reduction in tariffs would lead to an additional $160 billion in real GDP and um, 145000 additional U.S. jobs by 2025. So hopefully the two sides could resume talking and get things back on track.
0: All right, last point to hit before we let you go. Um, some personnel changes in the Chinese government lately. Um, I believe there were some changes at the Ministry of Commerce, right?
1: Right. So China names new um, chief trade negotiator. Um, West Minister of Commerce, Yu Jianhua, was named as the representative for international trade negotiations. China also announced another veteran of trade talks, Zhang Xiangchen who recently stepped down as Chinese ambassador to the WTO, um, now as deputy head of MOFCOM.
0: And what do we know about the new officials that might provide you know, insight on what their tenures will look like?
1: Well, both Yu and Zhang have massive experiences in trade talks with American officials and at WTO. They are regarded as China's top trade negotiators. Um, you will also work along with China's new commerce minister Wang Wentao and deputy trade talks representative Wang Shouwen, um, who a lot of member companies know well. So I think including officials with more expertise in the negotiations, um, definitely signals the apparent recognition by Chinese leaders to address an expertise gap that could be holding it back as it tries to negotiate with the new Biden administration. You know, China's team has been led by West Premier Liu He, a longtime confidant of President Xi. But observers say there are some concerns over a lack of trade expertise on Beijing's team compared to Washington officials like Lighthizer and his successor, Catherine Tai. And additionally, it could suggest an increased commitment to the trade talks to resolve the pending issues. Actually, that makes me really excited. Um, and um, somehow just a Chinese idiom just popped into my mind, 其风对手, and check it out what it means.
0: Okay, I think I'm going to have to look that one up. It means to to match each other, right? To be well-matched?
1: Yep, you got it. With the two-size trade negotiation teams taking shape, hopefully they could resume talking and work towards a more predictable path. Thanks, Yan. Wear masks, wash your hands, stay healthy. Look forward to speaking later. And of course, Happy New Year. All
0: right, right, will do. Same to you. Thanks again for the catch-up, Melinda. Again, Melinda Xu is our Chief Representative in Shanghai. China Business Minute is a production of the U.S.-China Business Council, and you can always learn more about the work that we do on our website, uschina.org. If you like the show, please leave it a rating, leave it a review. It will help other people find it. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.